And, and so um, that's what we picked up on uh, this morning, uh, is that there was this inner inner kind of compulsion there is inside our response and our devotion and our passion for the Christian life is, is a response to what God has already done on the inside of us but what about the dry times what about the difficult times what about the seasons and times where we come down and it and it and it and there's a dryness and there's a difficulty and there's a wandering and there's a distraction and things are just a little bit difficult and you're going through the outward show but inwardly there's something just damp and dreary and mediocre and apathetic about my life and that's what we were picking up on this morning in Revelation chapter 2 Revelation chapter 2 where we, there was a call to return back to your first love, the one that loved you the first. And so that we picked up on three things. Uh, in that text, the, uh, the Apostle John uh, was looking at the early church in Ephesus, and, and he says, I've got three things. Uh, he says, I've got things that, that, that I would want to commend you for things that you're getting right, right behavior, right beliefs. You're, you're doing really well. You've got all the ticks in the boxes. But then he says, I've got this one thing against you. Outwardly, all the behavior is great, uh, but inwardly, you've left your first love. And then he gives a correction. And he says, if you want to return back to your first love, there's three things you want to do. And it's in verse 5 of Revelation chapter 2. And he says, remember where you've fallen. Remember that first love. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent, change your mind, and then do the first things again that you did before. And so I would say that was a, a recap. Yeah, thank you. So there's the three C's and the three R's. <laughs> You're good, yeah. Three yeah. C's and three R's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 that's great. So the... Just, just again, those three C's were um, commendation, condemnation, yeah, you're doing getting well. them out, and then correction. Yeah, fantastic. And then the three R's were remember, repent, and redo. Mm, that's how you yeah. get back on track. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that. And so this, this was Jesus speaking to the church, wasn't it, through the Apostle John? That's right, yeah. So when God speaks to us through his scripture, um, he gives us this sort of desire, um, desire for devotion, um, and that, that's something that should be our natural state as people that encounter their first love, a devotion to Jesus. So maybe you've got a special verse that you think really speaks to this of you. Can you... Tell me that and say why I'm opening this to all the panel. Yeah, I think um, it was interesting that um, when we looked at, at this series and some of the verses that are around this, um, three uh, verses particularly jumped out at me and really became, um, I guess, pin verses for me uh, in this series, but also ones that have been there part of my life. And the first one is Psalm 42, verse 1, which um, Joanna mentioned in a prayer earlier. Mm -hmm. As the deer pants for the streams of water... So my soul longs after you. Um, you don't need to know me for long to know that I love cold water. <laughs> I drink cold water. Warm water doesn't really cut it, but really cold water. And I don't know whether you've ever been really, really thirsty. And just that glass of cold water is just bliss. And because I've always been um, 
always enjoyed just good, clean, pure water and that enjoyment I get from that. This verse speaks a lot to me. And I've always wanted to have that desire that I will always want to be thirsty for more of God. We get thirst as a natural um, part of who we are, don't we? We become thirsty naturally. But there's certain things that make us more thirsty. And I just always want to have that thirst for more of God. And I want it to be a natural part of who I am. Another verse that I thought about was the Jeremiah 29, 13, where it says, you seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. As a teenager, Jeremiah 29, 11 was a real favorite of mine, as it is of many people, where it says, for I alone know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And it stopped there. It was many years later when I discovered there's two more verses after that that are so importantly linked to that. And so whenever anybody tells me that Jeremiah 29, 11 is their favorite verse, I point them to the next two verses where it says in verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Mm. We have to look for God. We have to have that desire and that search within us that wants to do it. And uh, so for me, that was another verse that's so important in my life as a Christian, just that drive to want to seek God and to seek more of him. And then finally, it was quoted this morning, John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. Wow. You read that verse and just that's all you can say. Wow. And if we begin to understand just how much God loves us, we have to love him in return. It's what drives us. It what compels us. I love that word compel. It compels us to love him back. And so there are three verses that would particularly speak to me. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, Sue. I've only got one. Is that okay? Absolutely. Sorry, Sorry, I was greedy. So my scripture would be um, from the Psalms as well. Um, But for me, it really captures David's heart and his pursuit of the presence of God. Um, Because I know that looking in the Bible, if there's anybody that I want to follow well, it's David, right? We know he's a man after God's own heart. And so he says these words in Psalm 27, verse 4. And he says, this one thing I ask, this only do I seek. And he says three things. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Um, That I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Mm. Now, at first you might wonder what on earth is all that about? But essentially, it's like the Old Testament version of the pursuit of the presence of God. Where was the presence of God? It was in the temple, wasn't it? So that's where David wanted to be. And so for me, when I think about my first love, I think about a spark inside of me wanting to pursue the presence of God like at any cost um, and go to any length to be in God's presence. So that would be my verse. Yeah. Thank you. I think um, for us as um, people that live in Fullwood and the areas around it, we perhaps don't necessarily know what it is actually to be physically 
thirsty in the way that we've been talking about. You know, we can go into our kitchens, we can turn on the tap, we can get fresh, pure, clear water. Um, but I just think of all those times when perhaps we've been, we've seen those images of children that are in places of famine, or we've seen um, the dry desert plains where the, the riverbeds are cracked and there is no water. Um, and it's in those situations that God says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the water and drink. He who has no money, come by and eat. And I just love that. And that is the Lord just saying, I've, I'm so bountiful. I've got so much, so many treasures, so much to give you food for the eater. And, um, you know, I think it talks about uh, seed for the sower and food for the eater. He has everything that we might need. And so God has this, this wonderful um, array of things for us. I'm not just talking about physical things. I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the, the things that we need to live our Christian lives. And it is so good to want after those. Because it's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It is good, isn't it? Like Sue was mentioning about fresh, clear water. That might not be your drink of choice, but think what it's like to get that first refreshing drink. And that's what it's like to be in the presence of Jesus and to feel him touching our lives. Sometimes you might feel a little glimpse of that in worship, but God brings that, doesn't he, to us as we seek after him. And uh, we've got a couple of testimonies tonight, and it's wonderful to have people that are, are, want, are able to share with us about their Christian walk. And so I'm delighted to say, Gavin, please would you come forward <laughs> and share your testimony with us. Thank you. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for fond of you, by the way. Now, as a child, many, many years ago, my, my early memories of church was me and Miss, my elder brother being sent to church in the morning and Sunday school in the afternoon. And we're always getting misbehaving and getting into trouble. I remember taking over to these boys and girls. I got smacked once in Sunday school for being so naughty. <laughs> And all I remember when I was at church, there was a big, big pulpit, shout down right here, it was the wrath and fear of God. Love and divorce were never mentioned, especially the love of Jesus. I remember, I remember hymns like, fight the good fight with all thy might, and onward Christian soldiers marching us to war. And it just did nothing for me, never felt anything. And at age 11, I went to secondary school, and I very rarely went to church. I thought, well... I did believe in God and Jesus, but I never felt the need to go to church because I knew about Christmas and Easter, and that was enough for me. <laughs> so I'm going to jump now from the 50s, 60s to 2005. I was in my 50s. So in 40-odd years, I've spent in the wilderness mm. living my life how I wanted to do, trying to break every commandment of God's. Um, I might do one example, but... Um, in 2006, in June, my wife invited me to Alpha because she and my children have been coming to church every week here for many years. I mean, she should be the one that's here because she was the one devoted with all, a lot of people here as well, praying to God for my salvation. Mm, yeah. 
And I thought, I'll, I'll go along, th- just the thought of keeping my wife happy. Then I could just return to watching football on TV every Sunday morning. That's what I used to do. I used to love them, going out, giving me the day off. I thought, though when, it, when I did the Alpha course, I thought, I'm okay. I believe in God, so I must be a Christian. But I learned an Alpha, thanks to Trevor and people like that. Satan believes in God. He's not a Christian, is he? I was also afraid of what would happen when I die. I couldn't wait to go back every week to learn more and more about Jesus and his love. I also learned of God's love and forgiveness, and especially about the Holy Spirit, which I'd never, ever known about. I realized through all the years that I'd ignored God, he'd always been there for me. When I think back, his love and devotion never faltered, which is the same for everyone here. Um, Fully enough, because uh, Sue mentioned Jeremiah 29, 11, because it says, hey, I, for I know the plans I have for you. It was very appropriate for me, because through all the bad things I did in my life, he must have been preparing me for this and watching over me. <laughs> I mean, one bad example, several examples were the number of times I've driven home drunk, and I've never known how I've driven, I've never known how I've got home, but he did. And he saw me through that, and I wouldn't have been here but for God when <laughs> I think back now of what's happened. Anyway, during Alpha, I did pray and ask for Jesus into my life. And although I didn't personally feel anything or any changes, everyone else did, <laughs> especially at work. You know, so I stopped swearing, stopped shouting, getting angry, bad-tempered. I mean, that was me to my wife and children, everybody, really. And personally, I just wanted to give back to Jesus what Jesus had done for me. Mm. So I've devoted my life to serving him to receive the love I thought I had lost before I became a Christian. It's been an honour and a privilege to serve him by volunteering and energised, mm-hmm. becoming a street pastor, welcoming at Cedar House, leading a coffee team here, but most of all, the ability, uh, honour and privilege of serving on three visa trips to Ecuador, sharing God's word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've still got a lot to learn. I make mistakes, I get it all wrong. But I know God's love and forgiveness through repentance. Thank you very much. Thank you. What an amazing testimony. Thank you, Gavin, of a life transformed by the power of Jesus in your life. And I just love that your response to what Jesus has done is that you want to serve him. And we've been talking so much about being devoted. And we can really see, Gavin, how much devotion you have given uh, to your service of Jesus. So thank you and uh, bless you. So we've talked uh, this morning about those right um, behaviours and right beliefs. Um, But we... Still get it wrong. So we've got good practices. We do good things. But we're not right. How can that apply to us today? Anybody got personal examples perhaps as well? So I don't know, Ian, do you want to take that first sure. part um, of that? Well, what we were explaining uh, this morning, uh, uh, our passage, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, and I don't know if verse 2 is able to come up on the screen, but verse 2, it talks about, John is saying to this church, the Apostle John is saying to this church, that you've got two things right. 
you've got your right behaviours, you've got good works, it says, you've got, you've, you've got good works, he says, your labour, your patience, uh, and also, notice as well, it says that um, you've also sussed out who's teaching wrong things. Mm. You've got apostles that are not apostles, that they've actually been lying to you, and you've realised that. So, so he's saying you've got two things right, church. You've got, you've got great behaviour, you're doing great things, you're looking beyond yourself to the needs of others in your community, uh, but you've also uh, got good doctrine. And yet the very next verse he says, but I've got this one thing against you, that you've left your first love. That tells you that you can have all the outward performance just right. In fact, you can tick all the boxes of doctrine and you can have all the doctrine in your head, but you're empty in your heart. That you can actually have all the outward performance and yet you've denied the real power and the, and the passion and, and the devotion that comes from connection with your first love. And that was the challenge, really, uh, of the passage. And it, and it kind of tells you in the passage that you've been distracted. Your heart has been distracted away. And, and I think from the context, it seems to suggest that you've been distracted away because of your right behavior and your right beliefs, that it's possible to love your right behavior and love your right beliefs more than you love Jesus. And what a challenge, really, when you, when you look at that passage. And so I think if I, if I could just put it into that context and then we can, we can really apply it in our lives. Yeah, I think for me, um, when Ian was talking about this, um, it resonated quite strongly in me. Uh, it's so easy to live a life that looks okay from the outside, um, but actually is quite different inside. And when you work for a church, there's a danger that you become a professional Christian, <laughs> um, that people expect things of you and that that's just the way you are and that's what you do. And by that, I mean you can go to the prayer meetings and you pray. You prepare your talks, you prepare your Bible studies for your home group, you pray with and for others, and all looks good. But it's all been done as part of a process. It was for an outcome. Mm. It was for something that needed to be yeah, done. That's right. yeah. I prepared that Bible study, I answered the questions, yeah. I looked at it, I read it, I did it, I got it ready just in time, and it was done. Yeah. But I realised that that's what was happening. It all became a thing to do. And I was meeting the deadlines. I was getting the things done. I was turning up to the meetings. I was there. And when I was praying in those prayer meetings, I meant what I prayed. Mm. When I prepared the Bible study, I prepared it to the best of my ability. But I realized I was missing out. This was something I was doing for other people. This was something I was doing for a purpose but I was missing out on the relationship. Mm. It wasn't about me and God anymore. It was about me and you or me and the people I was with. And I realized that I had to do something about that. Anybody looking at me, it looked okay, but I knew something needed to change. I knew I needed to have that one-to-one -one time with, with God. And sometimes we get to that place where everything is about something or someone. And so I'd pray for you for anybody that asked me. But was I sitting there waiting on God? Was I speaking to God? Was I telling God I loved him? Was I telling God what I needed? 
was I entering into those conversations with God that were just about me and him? Did I sit there and say, do you know what, God? I love you. Mm. No. no. That's right. It was just getting the job done. And I think if you're very involved in a church, whether you're paid or not, these are the things we need to just look carefully at. Why are we doing these things? What's our driving force? And just to make sure we're not missing out on that. Um, we're going to think a little bit more about how I sort of got out of that and what I did practically. But uh, yeah, it was something very real for me. Yeah, thanks, Sue. And I think um, continuing on from that, um, I can resonate with Sue um, in many ways, um, having you know been in paid ministry for a number of years, I can resonate with that. And for me, the phrase that just came to my mind was going through the motions, mm. right? Uh, who's guilty of just going through the motions? Because sometimes we do, don't we? We just get into a place where we know things so well um, that we're able to just do it on repeat mm. um, without even putting our mind or our heart into it. And so for me, an example because um, you asked for a personal example mm, yeah. here. So um, an example would be um, a few years ago when I was at my previous church working, um, I was going through the motions sort of that much that um, when I was preparing for a sermon, um, rather than um, spending specific time for that, it would just become part of my normal quiet time. So what I mean by that is that in order to prepare for my sermon, I was doing my quiet time. But by doing that, I was missing so much of just being with God and hearing his voice that the two between work and personal life kind of got blurred. And you could probably see how that can happen quite easily when you're working for a church. Um, so, yeah. Um. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah so there's a lot of, of things that we do that are regular and... You know, that perhaps we can't find ourselves getting into those sort of rhythms of just doing it, just going through the motions. And that's why we need our first love back, isn't it? That's why we need to be um, close to Jesus. Um, so, I mean, one of the, the things that I, I want to know about, you've, you've talked about some of the occasions where you realised that what you were doing was just going through the motions. Um, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how you got back to your first love. What was it from being dry and empty that brought you back to that right relationship with, with God? Yeah, I think um, one of the um, sort of strongest examples for me was actually quite a long time ago now. Um, I was 19 I'd started worshipping at this church and then just due to circumstances I just stopped coming I drifted away and for six months I didn't come to church I didn't meet with Christians and I just um, sort of kind of stopped my Christian life and thought that was okay I wasn't being rebellious I wasn't um, deeply in sin or anything like that I just stopped coming to church I stopped connecting with God and that was a really quite a tough time for me and at that time I realized I felt unfulfilled I felt sad I felt lonely I felt disconnected now if anybody had said to me why do you feel like that right now I probably couldn't have 
said exactly what it was. I just knew I wasn't me anymore. I didn't feel right. And um, someone said to me one day, why don't you come to church on Sunday? And I came back here, and we were meeting in the original church through there in Oak, and it had like a little porchway to it. And I walked in, and as I walked in, they were singing, I am a new creation, no more in condemnation. (laughs) I cried, and I cried, and I cried. (laughs) And it was just that sense of, you are welcome home. And there was just something coming back to God that night. And I described it that I had walked away from God. Mm. And somebody said to me that night, turn round, because he's been following you. (laughs) (laughs) And said, he's never left you. He's right there behind you. He's walked where you've walked. Mm. And I felt that I'd completely abandoned God. I'd walked away from him. But he was still there. And that was just so amazing to know that all I had to do was turn around and acknowledge that he was still there. And it was just wonderful. But one of the things, interesting things that, uh, as Pastor Ian's really picked up on in this devoted series, this connecting with your first love again. Any of you that were here in Pastor Barry Walton's time will know that was a phrase he used time and time again. Do not forget your first love, was what he used to say. And again, that night, that was spoken when I came back. Mm -hmm. And it was like becoming a Christian all over again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like, wow, I've discovered God again, that God loves me. And that overwhelming sense that God had never left me. It was me that had walked away from him. And that he still had his hand on me and he welcomed me back. But one of the things that, as I felt this emptiness, I felt this loneliness and all of that, um, I thought that, you know, it was okay that I'd hidden it quite well. And one of my Christian friends back home said to me, I had an interesting chat with your mum this week. At that time, my mum wasn't a Christian. And my mum said to my friend Helen, don't know what's going on in Sue's life at the moment, but she's not happy. Mm. She's not herself. <laughs> My mum could see that I disconnected with God. Wasn't a Christian, didn't know, but it obviously showed that I was missing out on something in that time. So coming back to God then, and um, that was a real drive, a passion in me that brought me back to God at that time. And um, there has been other dry times in between, but that for me was a significant time when I just felt I came back to God and I recognised that. (laughs) had that need of my saviour, my first love. We have these moments where we uh, encounter God afresh, uh, again, out of a, a dry time. For me as well, and I think other people can relate to this, is that it's not necessarily what happened to me four years ago or five years ago. It's what happened to me last month. What happened to me last week? In fact, sometimes I go through seasons where I, I have to keep going back to my first love every single day. And, and the pressures of life, the challenges of life, there's certain signs that I notice in my own life. And sometimes Sarah will pick up on it, you know, because we're close and she'll say, Ian, be careful here, be careful there. The pressure, the stress, and I start to, uh, you know, my fuse is a bit short. 
Sometimes she'll hear me just say something come out of my mouth. and I'm a little bit sharper with the kids than I should be. and the, uh, Maybe a little bit sharper with Sarah than I should be. And, 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 and I can feel this stress of deadlines and difficulties. And no wonder G- Jesus said that it's the, it's, the, it's the deceptiveness of the riches and the desire for other things and the things that distract us in life that move us away from the first love, the deadlines and the busyness of life. And that moment and that time with Jesus Jesus just gets drowned out. And I can feel it in my own life. I can feel when the anxiety levels start to rise, just that little bit more, which makes it uncomfortable. When the, when, when, when the stress starts to feel it and this tension is starting to be there. And th- those are like alarm bells for me now. Those are like little red lights going, <laughs> it's time to return back to the first love. It's time just to just take some time out. Close it all down. Step back and just come into the presence of the Lord. Mm. And just to reconnect again about what is the most important relationship in my life. Where do I find my source of strength and power and intimacy and love and connection to know that I'm loved and to respond to his love, to know who I am, that I'm a child of God, to find that power again to find that perspective, to find that intimacy, to find that closeness again, where my batteries are recharged. As we wait on him, he shall renew our strength. And we start to build up and up and up again. So sometimes for me, it's not just what happened to me five years ago on this powerful moment or this this powerful service, but sometimes it's daily when I'm going through real difficult times and I see the alarm bells going off in my life and Sarah says, Ian, it's time you spent time with God. And I have to go back to that place and find that first love again. And all those challenges start to drop aside as I connect with him. Okay. Yeah, thanks Ian. Um, yeah, and continuing on in that, I think, um, for me, going back to my example of um, being in that place like not spending my quiet time appropriately if you like um something i noticed like absolutely the same as sue the internal wasn't right there was that something you know when something's quite not right and you're not quite happy so i had that but i also noticed the external in terms of the ministry that i was doing it wasn't as effective so i'd been used to seeing x y and z particular things happening, you know, people responding in a particular way. But as I started going through the motions, it's almost as if God was just pulling back slightly. And that was one thing that shocked me Mm. into realizing and remembering was that actually, oh my goodness, I miss those days when people would say X, Y, and Z, or they would see transformation in my life because I just wasn't seeing it the same when I was going through the motions. And so that really shocked me Mm. back into thinking, oh, my goodness, like, why am I doing this to see transformation in people's lives? But I'm not seeing it. So what do I need to do to fix it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I think just as all of you have actually been speaking about the challenges that we face, one one of the famous stories that Jesus told, the parable of the sower, really came to my mind. And and I'm sure you remember the seed is cast in different Uh, and lands on different parts of the ground. But there's one particular um, one that really spoke to me as you were speaking, and that was the where 
the seed grows, but then weeds come along, and the weeds that the Bible talks about are the cares of the life and of this life. And I, I think sometimes that's what happens, isn't it? Mm. We're doing well, we're doing great, we're growing, and then all of a sudden those distractions and those things, the cares of this life, just start to to come in and overshadow us, and so that our growth isn't what it had been before. And instead of bearing fruit, we just shrivel and dry up. Don't we? And I think that really spoke to me. So I just pray that as we go through this time together that we will recognize the weeds and get the hoe out and start doing the weeding. Yeah, okay. Um, We have another testimony. It's wonderful that um, we have um, Nathan with us tonight who's going to share a word of testimony as well. So Nathan, please do come forward. Thank you. Cool. Hello. So I'm just going to start right at the very beginning. It's a good place to start, am I right? So I grew up in a little village called Waddington, which is where all the great people grew up, isn't it, Ian? Um, So I grew up there. My dad was a Methodist minister. And this kind of shaped my identity. As I would walk around, it would be Mark Sleet's son, the local minister, rather than Nathan Sleet, or even more, God's son. So that started to really shape uh, my identity. And also with that, being like the minister's son came with it like a level of accountability. It was almost people look at you and think the whole family were this holy family and we all had our faiths all in check. But really, to be honest with you, my faith was my family's faith. And that became like a real hard thing for me. I almost went through the motions of that and never really sort of understood what it meant to be loved by God. So skip forward a a few years, I moved to Preston, um, where because I wasn't really fully sure of my identity and who I really was and who I belonged to, I wanted to try and fit in with those around me and what they were doing and what they were saying. So in high school, this meant I was involved in the inappropriate banter. In classes, I misbehaved often and was sent out and sent to isolation. My language became pretty foul as well. But on the same token, I would come to church and pretend my my faith was tip-top. And I was all fine my faith. I would say all the right things and do all the right things. And I began to live two lives, all to try and fit in and to secure in my identity. Now, every so often, it would be like breakthrough. I'd be in a worship session or whatever, and I would feel the presence of God. But yet, my desire was to live the other life. But this went even deeper I was almost about five years into this two-life thing, and then I became 18, which obviously is the age of independence. So I started going out into town. I started getting drunk. I'd go into town about three nights a week. Um, so during college, I'd have all my exams and my essays, etc., and I would be drunk as anything in town. I remember one Tuesday, it got that bad, that I woke up on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. on the Mince's steps, just oh. by myself to sleep there. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sorry, I'm getting quite emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow... So I would get drunk, and then I started to know that my <coughs> worth was getting worse. My identity was getting even more insecure. And so I started to find deeper roots to try and fill that gap in my life. So I started to get with girls. I started to get into other messy situations. And all the while, none of it was filling me up. Yeah. I never felt fulfilled. And my heart saw that gap where I just tried to find that desire. Sorry about this, guys. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. I didn't volunteer for this. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So, then that meant I was behind the school. It got worse and worse and worse. 
And then I had to keep seeking those things. It became a routine. That was my routine. Three nights a week, that was what I was doing the whole time. Meanwhile, still coming here like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Anyhow, as I said, breakthrough happened like tasters. And I knew that what I felt in those moments. I knew that fulfilled me in those moments. But yet there was still such a strong hook on my life. It was like I was in a wilderness and that wilderness was attractive. But yet I knew it didn't fill me up. And I remember I went to a seminar at church. And to be honest, I can't remember for life me what it was about. But in that moment, I felt that God wanted to, to do something in me. I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me. And I felt like I actually just needed to come and just surrender and speak to someone about it. But it was still that strong on my life that I just chose to walk away. And I praise God that, Lawrence, that God also spoke to Pastor Lawrence. And Pastor Lawrence came out to speak to me and asked those questions. And it was almost like in that moment, the desire was just, just to spill it all out. And those two lives came together. And it was a real hard session, it has to be honest. There was a lot of tears. And I was probably like verbal diarrhea to Lawrence. As I just <laughs> offloaded years of this two life thing and how it got out of control. And now it has been, you know, a journey. I've worked through it with Lawrence and with Pastor Ian and other people like. But I really just feel that the way I can only describe how it is, is that, you know, those kids' toys where you've got those different holes and you've got those different, like, objects and the holes that are perfectly matched those objects. You've got to get it in the right thing. Well, that's kind of how I saw it. My heart had this hole and I was just trying to fill it with everything that I could possibly find. And it went deeper and deeper and deeper. But that hole is a God-shaped hole. Mm-hmm. Only God can fill that hole up. And when I had that moment, when I spoke with Lawrence, it was like that hole had been finally filled. I felt like I was connected back to God. And I felt that first love. He filled my heart and I felt secure. I felt loved. But the biggest thing for me is I actually felt welcomed. Mm. There was no sense of feeling shame or guilt. God welcomed me with loving arms right back in. And there's no records of wrongs now with him. I'm wiped clean of it. So once I used to desire this sinful life, but now, to be honest, I just desire to be in his presence. And like there's times when I do feel like I'm in the wilderness and it's really hard work. But instead of choosing that path, I'm just trying to cry out to God to fill it back up. So, yeah, that's about it. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan, and uh, thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability Mm. there. Thank you for sharing those words with us. And I think that just uh, feeds us beautifully back into... uh, and my last question for us tonight. Um, you spoke about the three R's, Ian, of restoring our first love. So tell us a little bit more about that. How do we remember? How do we repent and redo uh, when we need to restore our relationship with our first love? Yeah, uh, this, this is, I think the order is important as well. When you look at verse 5, it talks about remember, remember from where you have fallen. Not regretting where you are now, but remember from where you have fallen. In other words, it's not about putting your eyes on you. It's putting your eyes on Jesus. And there's that shift 
that has to take place in, the, in those moments. And so that's really the first step, is remember, remember that first love. Remember when you were, were first saved. Remember when you first gave your life to, to, to Jesus. Remember that moment when he captivated your heart, when you heard the gospel for the first time, when you, when you knew you were a child of God, that he had forgiven you of your sins. The burden, the guilt, and the shame had fallen away, and it was really new life. It was, it was a tremendous moment, that moment when you came to, to, to know Jesus as your first love. And, and, and he says, remember that. Remember where you've been distracted from, and then that's where repentance comes in. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to repent for those cares of those yeah. worlds you mentioned, Sue, for, for being distracted by the cares of this world, by the challenges, by the anxieties, by trying to do it in your own in your own strength. And that's what I really appreciate about what Nathan says as that God-shaped hole. And, and quite often we can respond that initially to that God-shaped hole, but, it, but it's a bit like it says in Galatians. It says, you started in the spirit, why are you now continuing in the flesh in your own self-effort and you're, and you're trying to perfect yourself? Go back to that first love. Mm -hmm. Repent from the distractions that have taken you away from Jesus. Turn your mind right around again and look back in Jesus. You know, mm -hmm. you know that old song where it, where it says, turn your, turn eyes, your eyes upon, upon Jesus, Jesus and look full in his wonderful mm -hmm. face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. It's a fantastic yeah, verse. Yeah. And, and so that's that first aspect of, uh, is remember, repent, and then finally redo. It's to do the first works again. Well, I just don't feel like it, Ian. I don't feel like worshipping. Well, I will mm -hmm. worship the Lord. I don't feel like reading my Bible. Well, read your Bible. Mm -hmm. But I just don't feel like being grateful be grateful. Mm. And, and, and one, of the, one of the things that I shared this morning, which my dad used to say to me a lot, he says, you don't feel your way into right actions. You act your way into right feelings. And when you start to just do those first things that you did when you first fell in love with Jesus, mm. how did you read the Bible when you first became a Christian? How hungry were you? How did you worship when you first became a Christian? How did you pray when you first... How did, what was your hunger for getting into fellowship and into services when you first became a Christian? Well, well, do it. And when you start to do it, and then you do it again, and the sequence is important, remember, repent, and then do it. And as you start to do it again and again and again, the feelings come. Mm. That, that, that inner devotion starts to spring up again from, from the inside. Mm. It was one of the things, what, just what, one other point. It's, you, know, you know that uh, old hymn where it, where it says, every hour I need you. Yeah. You're, you, you know, I need you, Jesus. Every hour I need you. And, there's, and, and sometimes it's like that. Mm. Sometimes it's those moments where you're going through some of those challenges and those pressures. I, sometimes I don't, pray, I don't pray. Some people sort of look at me sometimes. The pastor say, oh, you're so holy, Ian, because you pray so much and you study the Bible so much. Sometimes I do it because I need to. Mm. Sometimes I do it because I'm desperate. Sometimes I do it because if I don't, I'm sinking. I'm sinking and I need him every hour. Mm. I need him yeah. for that strength and yeah. for, the, for that yeah. re resource. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think one of the um, things that 
again, I really like um, is your, your dad's phrase, um, because there's so much we don't want to do, but we know we should do, and it's good for us to do. And I've missed out on things in life because I, had, I didn't do it. And um, so often, Graham will go for a walk. Are you coming with me? I'll say, no, you go. And he's seen amazing things. And I think, oh, I should have gone. I should have made myself go. And so in that doing, that making ourselves do something, even if we don't want to do it, you know, um, coming back after COVID, coming back to an evening service, believe it or not, we like you. We're quite liking our Sunday nights at home. <laughs> but actually... In the past, I've always loved Sunday night. I've always loved being together with you guys worshipping. And so I had to make myself come. And then the desire came. Yeah. <laughs> I made myself come first and then the desire. Yeah, this is brilliant. I want to be here. I'm really enjoying being here. And you're getting truth tonight, folks. Because <laughs> um, it isn't always easy, is it? And, but we've got to work at these things. And I know for me, rediscovering my first love, it has to be intentional. You've got to go for it. You've got to make yourself do something. And for us, uh, particularly Graham and I as a couple, we enjoy a quiet day um, a couple of times a year. Just take that time out to focus on God. Mm. And it's about listening, not just about doing, but it's about listening and that re-engaging with God. And I'm a Martha, I'm a doer. I'd rather be busy doing something than sitting waiting. And when I can get it out my pocket, I've got this little pebble. And it says on it, be still. And on the other side, and know that I am God. But I have to remind myself to be still. And so um, in uh, one of the rooms where we would have our quiet time at home, this sits on the side. And I pick it up and I put it in my hand. And I remind myself, this is time to be still to sit down, to focus on God, to be still. And I was sharing, we were talking about this in the um, ladies' home group a couple of weeks ago, and I was sharing with them that I suddenly found myself, even when I hadn't got my pebble, and I was sat praying with one hand open and one hand closed, <laughs> because your muscle memory works that way. And I was clenching my be still pebble <laughs> to remind me to stop and to be still. I need to remind myself to stop and be still. And so anything that helps us to do that, to focus on that, um, is good. But the other thing that really challenges me in this coming back to God, there's a verse um, in Matthew and it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. If Jesus needed to spend time with his father, we need to also. And so that's a real challenge to me to stop, to be still, to reconnect with God. And I tend to, God tends to give me words or phrases for seasons. And those things are often going back to the beginning. How much I'm loved. How much it costs Jesus. The pain of his death, the agony and the forgiveness and all these different things, these aspects of God's love for us that come back time and time again. And so it's good to do that. But the other thing I'll do is when I feel distracted or distant from God is worship. Stick on a worship CD or, or these days you ask Alexa to do it for you, don't you? Um, but just listen to some worship because I don't know about you, but when I listen to worship, I can't help but join in. I can't help but it lifts me and it fixes my focus and my gaze and takes me back to God and so they're just some of the things that I will do but also 
ask others to pray with me if I'm feeling that distance from God. Will you pray with me? I just sense that I'm just struggling. I feel that there's something just between uh, getting in the way between me and God at the moment. So you ask God, ask somebody to pray with you, to stand with you. That's a great thing, isn't it, as Christians? We get others to stand with us in that place too. Thank you so much. I think we'll draw our time together uh, to a close for our panel. Um, but maybe you tonight are thinking the stuff that you need to remember. Just remember who your first love was. Maybe you need to um, repent of some things. And that's something that you really need to get on your knees about. But then it's about redoing those first things, those things that are our first love. And it's not because we want to tick those boxes and say, yeah, I'm a good Christian, I'm doing this. This is about our devoted heart response to Jesus, to him who first loved us. 